The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you by Suzanne Giesman's free online video event with the Shift Network. Three keys to unlock your powers of mediumship. Go to unityonlineradio.org slash Suzanne to sign up today. Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Hi, everybody, and once again, I hope you were tuning into the lyrics of that theme song there. Listen, they're all around you, close as a thought or a memory. And today, we're talking about our pets who have passed who are just that close. And our guest is going to tell you that they don't want to leave our side, which is more than wishful thinking. She has evidence to that fact. So I wanted to let you know that our our six-month travels around the country are over. Ty and I are settling into our new community in Hilton Head, South Carolina. Our house is not quite finished yet, so we're still living in the bus for at least another month, but we are getting to know the area, and this morning went for a beautiful walk on the beach, and it's just beautiful to be back on the water. It's also beautiful to have a good, strong internet signal to communicate with all of you, so I'm grateful. So let me bring in our guest, Karen Anderson. She's an award-winning afterlife expert and coach with over 22 years of experience in animal communication. She's also the author of two books. One of them I'm holding in my hand here we're going to be talking about throughout the show. It's The Amazing Afterlife of Animals, Messages and Signs from Our Pets on the Other Side. Karen's devoted to helping clients find peace and healing after a loss, and she shares her expertise and business success through a series of private coaching programs from her home in the Pacific Northwest, just north of Spokane, Washington. So Karen, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much. Oh, big smile on my face. So happy to be here. <laughs> well, I am. I have been waiting to talk to you. You reached out to me a while back, and I checked you out online. And when I read your backstory, that's what grabbed me in. So we will be talking about that. Let me check with my guides here. I wanted to tell another story, but they're saying, no, let's get everybody, let everybody get to know you first. Why don't you tell us how you got into animal communication? Uh, I'd love to. You know, as far back as I can remember, Suzanne, I have always loved animals. They were my entire life. When I was a little kid, I had one of those bedrooms that was surrounded in horse uh, statues and stuffed animals, and my favorite uh, um, 
attraction at Disneyland was the Tiki Room, where all the birds would sing and the flowers would bloom, and they'd all sing along. So it was truly growing up that I I grew up in a world where animals could talk to you. So it never occurred to me that my animals couldn't talk mm. to me. And um, you know, I was raised with Mr. Ed, the talking horse. You know that? Program? Yes, of course. <laughs> I'm aging myself, but yeah, I'm right <laughs> those, there with you. <laughs> those who are listening or who get it are nodding their heads. Oh, I remember that show, and uh, you know it was uh, the Jungle Book. You know Mowgli and and Baloo the Bear. There's all these animals could talk, so never did it occur to me that that it wasn't possible. So that's my introduction, and my own childhood pets uh, certainly were the first ones that I communicated with, but only that on a level of a five- or six-year-old kid at the time. It wasn't anything like what I do today. But that's where it all started to happen, and those are my earliest memories. Okay. Now, what's, what I love about you, though, is you went on to have a career in law enforcement. There may be some other things in between there, but that really snagged my attention, that, that you, you know, you were just talking about little kid stuff, but now we're talking serious stuff. Do you want to tell us how that transition happened? Absolutely, and it's a, you know, when it was happening um, at that time, it didn't make any sense to me, but now I work very closely with my spirit guides, and as I look back on the path that I took, it everything just makes perfect sense. You know, that hindsight is twenty twenty is very evident here, but I had spent 20 years of my adult life in the mortgage industry, and I was working with numbers and percentages and interest rates, and Suzanne, I don't like math. <laughs> I, I'm not a numbers Me person. neither. <laughs> and what That's happened funny. was, and maybe your listeners can relate to this too, is I wasn't happy. I made a lot of money. I, it was a very good industry at times, feast or famine, kind of in the mortgage industry. But it was truly not satisfying. I felt like blah at the end of the day. It just, it was a grind. There was nothing fulfilling or satisfying about it. And I just had this sense that I needed to give something back. And the universe has a way of sending us these messages, these really loud messages sometimes until we finally pay attention. And my messages were I kept getting in trouble at work in the mortgage business. I kept the companies kept closing down on me. I'd get laid off like every other year. I'd be laid off. And I got fired one time. Mm. Uh, my mouth has gotten me into trouble. <laughs> and um, you know, there were these signs all over the place. So when it was happening, I kept thinking, God, I'm such a victim here. Why does this keep happening to me? I had not had a spiritual awakening yet. I was still in that grind of left brain uh, work and... Then I had this awakening or remembering uh, where it all started to hit me that there was more to life, that I was more than just this physical body. And this all occurred in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado where I had moved to escape the uh, Southern California area after being born and raised there. I needed to find a piece up in the mountains, so I retreated to the Rocky Mountains. And... That's where I had the most amazing experiences happen. I started to follow my true path. I started to listen to myself, listen to the voice in my head, 
and honor the things that I was feeling inside and moving away from kind of what society expected me to do or my family expected me to do. I started listening to what Karen wanted to do, and that's where it all changed. Mm. But you started then, this is just so amusing to me, you started mucking horse stalls, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, uh, again, the universe sent me a big, gigantic message to get out of the mortgage industry. The last and final straw was I owned a business um, at the time, a mortgage company, and I discovered that my business partner was embezzling from me. Mm. And I'm not talking about a little bit of money. I'm talking about a lot of money, and by the time I discovered it, it was too late, and I had to shut the business down. I had just, it was a mess. It was a financial loss of unbelievable um, amounts, and I was devastated. He was a friend, so Mm. to have a friend do this to me, I felt so betrayed, but again, the universe is trying to tell me something, right, and I'm not listening. So it was at that point where I started to realize that I needed to get money in, I needed to earn a living, and so I went back to the one thing that had always been my true passion and love since I was little, and that was animals. And so I came up with the idea of cleaning corrals for a living, and I put an ad in the paper as a corral gal, and I went around and I scooped poop for a living. Hey, that is such a shift, but how did that affect you, your sense of peace and purpose? Well, you know, it's very, it's very humbling, but I was in the service of animals. I was around them all the time. I was so happy. It was a huge contrast to what I had been through, and I really did a lot of soul-searching I was the only one out in the barn or the stalls or wherever I was working with the animals, and I really found peace. I found balance, and I started really listening to my inner voice, to my spirit guides. I started to realize that there was something else that I was destined to do, and that's where I started to pay attention to my intuitive abilities of understanding the animals. I had an awakening there, and that's where I really started to move forward on the path that I am on now is because of that um, mucking the stalls and and working in service of the animals. It really sent me down this path, and I realized that I was meant to be with the animals. And I didn't know what that was at the time. I just knew it, it had something to do with animals. Okay. Now, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on, on the career and the police work, but this, this some of your most amazing stories in your book come through when you are working with animals as a, a police officer. How did that transition come about from mucking stalls to now law enforcement and working with animals? Well, it all, like I said, it all makes sense now, but at the time where I was mucking the stalls, I also started volunteering at the local animal control facility, facility in a little town called Bailey, where I was living at the time. And unbeknownst to me, the animal control facility was underneath the umbrella of the sheriff's department. So I started to ride along with the animal control officers, and I just found so much satisfaction in going out with the officers and helping the animals and rescuing them or, you know, getting them out of difficult situations. And I started also riding along with the sheriff's deputies. And that's where I caught the bug. And it is a bug. It gets into your blood, and 
uh, it, I hook, line, and sinkered was in. I just loved it. I loved the fact of serving my community and giving something back. I had never felt that way before. It's it's a completely different ball game than being in the financial industry. It was it was like stepping out into uncharted territory, and and so I I went with it, and I was uh, in the police academy. I was the uh, only female officer. On my department, I graduated from the police academy and was immediately accepted by that same sheriff's department that I was volunteering at. So that's it was so cool. Yeah, it was really cool how that worked out. And that's where well, it all started with the police work and the, the animals and the stories that you're talking about. So that leads me right into that. Oh, please tell it because, guys, I, I need to tell you, when I picked up your book... Uh, I needed to know that this animal communication, that you were the real deal. And I thought, we need some evidence. And your book is so filled with evidence that the undeniable fact that you were communicating with these animals and some of your police stories, which I hope you'll share the first one right now, just knocked my socks off. And it's so enjoyable. So please, go ahead. Okay, well, uh, truly one of the very first experiences that I had I was right out of the police academy. I was a rookie, and the call came out that there was a suspect who had wrecked his car. He was DUI, suspected DUI. He was suspected to be armed, and he had warrants. Now, this was up in the Rocky Mountains. It's pitch black. It's in the mountain district. There's no street lights. There's no ambient light that night. It was really dark, no moon. And I arrived on scene with a couple of other officers, and I was immediately told by my uh, sergeant to stay in one particular area while they went and searched in another direction where they thought he had fled on foot. So I am alone. I am near my patrol car, and I'm out in this gigantic field of really tall grass. There's some pine trees around me, but truly I was out in the middle of nowhere. And I could hear the radio traffic because I had my radio on, and I was listening to what they were doing. They were a quarter mile, half mile down the road in the opposite direction, and they were looking for this guy. And, again, I'm a rookie. I had only been out on my own for a very short time. And as you're sitting there in the darkness, you begin to have all these thoughts like, what in the world am I doing out here? <laughs> and well, what's going to happen if I actually find this guy, right? So I started to kind of spook myself and have all of these thoughts of, uh-oh, you know, this is really real. And yeah. as I was sitting there in the dark, I noticed a small herd of deer coming through the field that I was in and the deer knew I was there and they didn't they weren't concerned they knew I wasn't a threat and they were eating the grass and they'd look over at me and eat the grass and keep moving along and as I'm sitting there I was having thoughts like wow I wonder where this guy is hiding I'm running these thoughts through my mind well right as I did that the deer looked up at me made eye contact with me and I heard the words logs over by the logs, as in fallen trees, logs. <laughs> well, and that's when I noticed that even though all the police activity was to my left, the deer were looking to my right. And I thought, well, that's really strange. Why wouldn't they be looking where all the police activity is? So I snuck around the back of my patrol car. I drew my weapon out. Man, I was shaking in my boots, let me tell you. And I ordered the suspect to come out with his hands up with my weapon pointed at this pile of logs that sure enough there was a pile of logs back there in the dark that I hadn't seen before 
And lo and behold, these two little hands popped up out of the ground. <laughs> I'm covered with goosebumps. I love this story. I know. I was so amazed. I my mouth must have hit my jaw must have hit the floor. It was like, oh my gosh, what just happened? So you know, I get on the radio, and and I'm sure it was like this, Suzanne. You better put your hands up, Sheriff's Department. I mean, I, my voice must have been quavering and quivering, and you know, I found my I found my strength and my confidence later, but. Uh, I radioed that I had the suspect at gunpoint, and, and then, of course, all the other officers came rushing over, and, man, I got high fives and patted on the back, and way to go, Anderson, and they all said the same thing. How'd you know where yes. he was hiding? How'd you know? Well, I'm not going to tell him my yeah. confidential informant had four legs and a tail and antlers. <laughs> I'm not telling him that. No way. <laughs> yeah, there's something. Not everything needs to be said. Take glory. No. That was fantastic. <laughs> and, and we're not going to tell police stories for the whole show because there are so many things about the afterlife and pets that I want to get to. But if you would please just t- share the story about the domestic violence call and the cat that ratted on its uh, owner. Yes. <clears throat> okay. I will share this one too. I um, I was the only female on the department and so every time there was a domestic violence case I'd get called out because usually the victim was female so they'd want to talk to a female officer. I actually got a reputation for being the domestic violence deputy so they'd always call Deputy Anderson out for any domestic violence calls. So I was interviewing the victim. She had been punched in the stomach repeatedly by her living boyfriend and she was about eight months pregnant. So it was horrible. So we were standing in front of her house, and the medics were tending to her, and I was asking her to tell me what happened, and I was getting her statement. Well, the other officers that had also responded, they were looking for the suspect who had also fled on foot, and they were doing a grid search pattern. So they had gone out from the house, and they had started their grid search. And as I was taking her statement, I noticed a little kitty cat that came out of her house. And I love cats, of course. Oh, look at the kitty. So I asked, you know, is that your kitty? Oh, yeah, that's my little smoky boy. I love him so much. Well, a little kitty walked right in front of us. And you'd think with all this activity, kitty would run and hide. You know, mine sure would. But no, little kitty walked right out in front of us in the dark. We were standing out there at night and walked over to this little garden shed. Kitty turned around, looked right at me, and I heard the word, inside. Clearest day, it was in my own voice, in my head, but I, I hadn't even said anything. I just was like, what in the world? So this shed should have been searched already by my fellow officers. So I sent the victim and the medics off to the side, and I went around again, pulled my weapon, and ordered the suspect to come out with his hands up, and bloop, two little hands came out of the shed. <laughs> So ratted on by a cat, no pun intended. <laughs> ratted out by a cat, yes. And that was when I realized, wow, did that really happen? Can I really get eyewitness information from the family pet? I really can. So that was a huge moment for me. I was shocked, just like everyone else is shocked, but it could really happen, and I could really get that information. It's not the same as talking to a human, of course, but you do get information from them. 
So I take it that happened. You then proactively, would you ask the pets in the house? Yes. If they were there, if they had pets or if there were pets that were on scene at the time, I would. They, it, they weren't always available and, you know, not all the calls that I responded to happened at people's homes. You know, sometimes I was on the highway or at a bar or restaurant or wherever the situation happened. But I did, anytime I could, I utilized those animals as eyewitnesses uh, and, more times than not, their information ended up being accurate. More accurate than the humans I interviewed, which I find very interesting. Yeah, wow. So for 22 years now, you've been an animal communicator. This is your full-time work now, correct? That is my full-time work, and it's what I have been doing. I've left law enforcement all those years ago, and I have devoted myself to... Uh, animals again and helping them and their humans and it really evolved I didn't set out to become an animal communicator it just happened and as I was practicing in the early stages all those years ago I started to have friends of friends requesting sessions from me and it just kept growing and now here I am today I can't believe it's been this long but here I am today so this raises the question for me, uh, what percentage, I love that you said you help the animals and their humans, because that's just like a, a medium helps those across the veil and those still here, but what percentage of the animals you deal with have passed? In other words, how often are you an animal medium, and how often are you helping to discern and deal with an issue that a an animal still in physical form has? Well, it for a long time, it was about 50-50. I worked with animals that were alive and well and resolving behavior problems or uncovering health issues, anything that was going on in the household that their human guardians needed help with. Uh, and then what happened was I wrote The Amazing Afterlife of Animals and everything shifted. And then mm -hmm. the majority of my work has now been focused on afterlife communication. I still do connect with any animal, living or deceased. It doesn't have to be a deceased animal, but it seems that that is my specialty. That is where I really excel. That's my passion. That is something that gives me the greatest amount of joy when I can deliver one message, maybe that one thing that that person needed to hear to give them just that little missing piece to the puzzle so that they know that their beloved pet is still connected to them and with them and around them and that they haven't really lost them. That, to me, I can't even encapsulate how special that is to me. I can't express, I can't express how beautiful that is and what it, it's kind of selfish on my part because it fills up my heart so much. Hmm. But that's, well, we that's all of I, us listening to you, Karen, understand that because we all know what it would mean to us. Just in case you joined us late, we're talking to Karen Anderson. She's an animal communicator and the author of The Amazing Afterlife of Animals, Messages and Signs from Our Pets on the Other Side. And her website is animalcommunicating.com. You can find the link right there on the Unity Radio site. But, you know, I'm a little bit envious, Karen, because when I tell people I'm a medium, you get this look half the time from people that that 
feel that mediums are frauds or charlatans and they're a little skeptical. They kind of look at you sideways. But animal communicator doesn't have that same stigma with it. You know, that's like, yeah, we can believe that. <laughs> well, you know, I've had my fair share of those cynics and skeptics, too. And in the early years, I struggled. Even some of my own family members didn't quite know what to do with me. You know, it was bad enough I was a cop. You know, they thought I was nuts for doing that. And then I announced I'm leaving law enforcement to be a pet psychic. I mean, can you imagine the eye roll <laughs> oh, that, that was going on? Oh, that one, pet psychic. That has a totally yeah. different vibe. <laughs> right, right. So I have, too, also dealt with a lot of that. But the one thing I think that is different for me is that people love their pets so much, not that they don't love their human loved ones, but we love our pets so much. There is a special bond there that I think can even be more um, intricate, more developed, um, there's something so special that we create with our pets. No one else can come close to that. It is a um, a beautiful and amazing love story, and our pets are really our worlds, at least mine are. Oh, yeah. And we can't imagine our lives without them. And, and then when, you know, the inevitable happens or they pass or accidents happen or whatever, we want to know that they're okay. We want to know that they're still with us, that they don't blame us for helping them leave their bodies or if accidents happen. They don't blame us for the accident. We need to know that. It it hurts our heart, and we carry that hurt with us. And that's what's so amazing about my work is that when the message comes through from the animals, my clients really listen because it's their pet. They know that pet better than anyone, so they'll be able to tell right off the bat this Karen either knows what she's talking about or she doesn't know what she's talking about because how in the heck would she know what my pet did or didn't do or liked or didn't like? I mean, it's really, there's something very unique about animal communication, oh. like you said, and, kind of separate. And if, if any of you are new to this show or new to mediumship, when she's talking about people saying, that's my pet, there's a story in her book about this cat choo-choo that she brought through from the other side and choo-choo showed karen in a reading a plate of sushi and said to her client does that make any sense to you and the client got all excited and said yes sushi was her name when i adopted her from the shelter now that's right out of her book amazing afterlife of animals and that is what we're talking about evidence awesome karen thank you thank you it blows my mind it really does when i when i have those messages come through I sit here sometimes, Suzanne, and I go, oh, my gosh. How oh, I, I get it. I get it. Listen, we no, have to take a like, break, oh. but we're going we're gonna to come back after a three-minute break here, and you're going to share with us some, some more stories, but also answer a lot of questions that I know people have. I'm going to ask the questions for everybody on behalf of everybody to let you know what's really going on with our pets across the veil and how close they really are. So everybody come back after the break. We'll All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world.
Welcome back. You're listening to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Boy, I hope you all are enjoying listening to Karen Anderson as much as I am. Doesn't she have great energy, so full of love and passion, devotion to being an animal communicator and medium? So Karen sent me a copy of her book, The Amazing Afterlife of Animals, but I was traveling on the road, so it went to Florida, and midway through the summer, I went home and picked up the book. This was last July. It came in the mail, and I saw it, and it was the day that uh, the day before Ty was going to take our baby Rudy, our dachshund, to the doctor, and I didn't want to read about animals animals in the afterlife. I said, well, I'll read this closer to the show. But no, that was the last thing I wanted to read. But the next day on the flight back to be with Ty, we got a diagnosis from the doctor that really sent us reeling. And I thought, oh, I need to read her book now. And, and Rudy's doing fine so far. But I picked up the book and here's a sentence right in the first opening pages. There is no coincidence you are reading this book today. And again, I thought, this Karen Anderson better have evidence because I don't want some makeup stories that our pets are okay across the veil. And the very first chapter started with this beautiful story of these cats with evidence. But the cats are saying, we don't understand why our owner doesn't doesn't appreciate us being here on her bed. And these cats were across the veil. And she got through, Karen got through to me in that chapter, the awareness that our pets don't really have anywhere else they'd rather be across the veil. Karen, I have to tell you what comfort that brought me. We don't know how long Rudy's going to be around, hopefully a long, long time yet. But the thought that whoever, whatever pets any of us have, don't go running off in some field in the afterlife. They're actually hanging around and leaving us signs to that effect is very comforting. Oh, I'm so glad that you brought this up because there is this kind of a, a myth out there that they go to something like this big meadow and they go running off with all these other animals and, you know, they're leaping and, you know, chasing butterflies and, you know, they're over the rainbow and all this stuff. And while all of that technically can happen, if that's what they want to do, as you know, Suzanne, everything is done telepathically across the veil. It is an energetic, just like in our dreams, all we do is think about it, and we can fly, we can go underwater without having to hold our breath, and you know, we can do whatever we want. Mm-hmm. The same is yep. true across the veil. And here's the thing. This is what prompted me to write this, the book. Uh, it was the number of sessions that I had where the client had come to me in utter pain, I mean paralyzing grief from the loss of a pet, and I watched the metamorphosis happen when they received the one message that their pet gave them and sometimes it's insignificant little message that really cemented it into them that no one else would have known that down to what a person had for breakfast that morning and I saw the healing that took place and that's why I opened up with the chapter that I opened up with because the animals are trying our pets are trying so hard to let us know that they're around us, they're near us, they're with us. They're not there all the time. They do go off on little adventures and, you know, have fun and do whatever they want to do. But the majority of the time they are very near to us in their same spots, on their bed, on their pillow, wherever they spend, the corral barn, wherever they spent the most of their time. But they want to be with us. 
and they send us signs all the time. Well, please, please share some of them because they are yes. magical, the ones you share, verifiable ones. There's yes. no other explanation than this is our pets. There's no other explanation. I think one of the most magical ones you know, that I write about in the very first chapter is uh, one of the cats kept showing me a pen, you know, like an ink pen, fountain pen, Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know what this meant, and so I just told her what I was getting. I'm seeing a pen. Is there some significance about this? And what actually happened to be true is that this particular kitty was known for knocking her pens off the desk. That's how he would play when he was alive and well, is he would knock her pens. And she knew instantly, the pen game. Oh, my gosh, the pen game. Yes, that's him, that's him. And and then this shift happens. She she changed and she went from this horribly sad and overwhelmed and grief-stricken person and she smiled and she started beaming and I could hear the joy and her heart just opened up in that moment. I was like, I have to capture that. I have to share this because other people need to know that our pets send us signs. So a couple of other signs. I have another client who her great Dane passed away. His name is Cooper and ever since he passed, she would find exactly one dime and one penny wherever she went, whether it was the grocery store, the doctor's office, the post office, doesn't matter. She would find not two nickels and a dime or two nickels and a penny, but she'd find a dime and a penny. Well, when we did the session with her dog Cooper, he came through and said that the number 11 was significant. Well, the number 11 was significant because he passed on 11-11, November 11th. So that was his way of letting her know that he was around. He would send her a dime and a penny. Pretty specific. Yes, very specific. I've had other animals share um, messages of what their, their human bought at the grocery store earlier that day. And it's incredible to me because this one cat in particular said to me, I go, what do you want me to tell your your human today? And he said, talk about toothpaste. And I thought, well, that's (laughs) weird. (laughs) Why would a cat want to talk about toothpaste, right? Well, it turned out that his human had been to the grocery store earlier that day only to buy toothpaste, nothing else, just had run Mm. out of toothpaste. And while she was in line... At the grocery store, the man in front of her on the conveyor belt had was buying cat food, and she was standing in line getting very upset because she was missing her cat, wishing and saying, gosh, I wonder if he's still with me. I wonder if he's near me. I wonder if he can hear me. I wonder if he knows how much I love him. Well, that cat couldn't tell me that whole story, but he could tell me toothpaste because yeah. he knew that she would connect the dots and know that he was with her at that moment. And I feel, Karen, you'd understand this very well, that it's important for those of you listening to understand that the cats don't need to speak in language, in words, but it comes through our heads as words. So when she hears toothpaste, even though the cat never spoke, our brains take that frequency and translate it into a word. So really what you're getting in your readings, and I understand this from personal experience, Karen, is you're, you're getting the same kind of information as you would get from a, a person across the veil. Yes, exactly. And I do believe that there is a translation process that takes place for those with 
you know, more scientific minds. And like you said, animals don't speak English, so how can they say words like inside or logs or toothpaste or sushi? How can they do that? Well, I also work very closely with my guides, my spiritual team, so to speak, and I do believe that they are the ones that bring the animal energies to me from across the veil, and I do believe that they help me with the symbols to understand the message. So what comes from the animal is an energetic message, my guides will turn it around so that my brain absorbs it as the word toothpaste or they'll flash a tube of toothpaste in my mind. Beautiful. So now, have you noticed any difference in the kind of message you might receive from different types of animals, from a cat versus a snake or a dog or even a fish? No, there's no difference straight across the board. Uh, there isn't one animal that is more communicative than the other, but I will say that you know the majority of my work um, is of, with involving people's pets. So that's where all of my experience is. So while I can communicate with other animals, wild animals, dolphins, whales, that sort of thing, I spend, I devote my entire life's work to people's pets. So that's where I have my experience. That's where my, most of my stories come from. I do have a few other stories in my books about other experiences, but the main um, focus of my work is with pets, and no one animal comes through any different than the other, except I will tell you, if anyone's going to make a fool out of me, it's going to be a cat. <laughs> a cat no surprise there. <laughs> They're going to make a fool out of me every time. They are sometimes way too smart for their own good. Not that dogs aren't. I don't mean that. But cats are just like, they are, there's something about them. They, you know, I was connecting with a, a couple of cats in a household where there was a litter box issue and the client wasn't quite sure which cat was responsible. So I asked both cats <laughs> who was going potty outside the box and they both pointed at each other. <laughs> <laughs> like it's him, it's her. <laughs> you know, it. neither would fess up. So you know, it's it's just my experience. Cats are are uh, they are something else. But um, no, there's no one animal that's any more intelligent or communicative. In in any group of dogs and any group of cats, you're going to have really just like in humans, you're going to have some that are really talkative really creative, and then you can have others that are really shy and withdrawn. So it's, it's just like talking to a group of humans, or even in your experience, humans across the veil. There's some that are very in your face, very forthcoming, uh, that have no problem communicating, and then there's others you just kind of have to pull it out of them. It's like they stand off in the shadows, and it's like you've got to pull, you got to help them, you've got to pull information out of them. I, I think back to the many times that Ty used to say, I wish Rudy could talk. And I look and I say, <laughs> no, you don't. You don't want to hear what he has to say because he has right. attitude. And that's what would come through from any pet across the veil, their personality. That's, that's, what, that's another pointer. It is. Their personality stays the same. And I don't care how long they've been gone. I have several clients that are in their 90s. And we have communicated with their pets from childhood. So almost a oh, century nice. has gone nice. by. And the personality is there. The characteristics are there. You know, it's hard for the client to remember all the way back to those early, early years. But for the majority of them, 
those very significant details about what they remember about their pet is still there. So they hold that personality even after all that time. That's cool. No time across the veil. So I want to get a little bit more serious here because some people listening are still grieving over pets and especially over those tough decisions that some people had to make about euthanasia. Why don't you talk for a little bit about how our pets feel about death and euthanasia, if that's necessary. I would love to because it's, it's a quite often misunderstood concept, especially even for me, and I speak from experience, because as a pet parent, you know, we're, we're trying to do our best for our pet. We, we devote our lives to managing their health and well-being. We take care of them. We feed them, medicate them, walk them, love them, snuggle with them. I mean, we want the best for them. And many times when we know that the end is near and we're going to have to make that decision, we agonize over when is the right time. You know, should I or shouldn't I? Or should I do it today or tomorrow or next week? Or when should I do it? Well, here's the, the magical part of this. Now, I have conducted literally thousands and thousands of sessions. And in all of those sessions, not a single pet has ever come through and said to me, Karen, my mom or dad ended my life too soon. Wow. Quite the contrary. They have often told me, Boy, was I ready to go a lot sooner because what happens, we're not ready to let go, right? Mm-hmm, and I'm sure I've done this. We keep them here longer than we probably should. So just remember that. The, the animals don't see it as you ending their life. They actually are grateful that you help them avoid what would probably be a very stressful experience. Death is ugly. Death is not pretty. The physical body dying can be very stressful for your pet. And I'm speaking again from experience. I have asked thousands of animals how it feels to die on their own versus how it feels to die from euthanasia. And I am now a fan of euthanasia because of what the animals have told me, that their experience is easier, smoother, less stressful, Many times if the animal passes on their own, they don't go quickly. And there is a struggle and pain involved. So, therefore, I choose to be a proponent of euthanasia when possible. I mean, there's times where our pets die on their own and we can't help it, where they're not there. Or like one time I was at an event when one of my cats passed, so we can't always be there, but if you can, and please, Suzanne, stay in the room with them. Hmm. Don't don't leave your pet. They need you in that final moment. They need to have your face right there. They need to feel your, your touch. They need to have you there in those final moments. If you leave them in that room, they're going to stress out even more and not understand why you left them. And surrounded by strangers and weird smells and sounds. It's, it's much yeah. better if you stay with your pet. So, so then, and again, everybody, we, she could tell us stories. Karen Anderson could tell us stories for hours of the evidence that what she's sharing with us can be believed. But what do the animals tell you after giving you those verifiable s- stories that this is really them? What happens to them when they die? Okay, they've crossed the veil. What goes on? Well, they are immediately, like, 
supercharged. It feels almost like a burst, like they burst into the, the spirit realm, if you will. The spirit realm is all around us. It's not in a faraway place. It's not up in the clouds. It's not in another galaxy. It is all around us. And many believe that it is a parallel universe kind of overlapping our own. Absolutely. And it's right here. Yes. So, like, if you are sitting here listening to the show right now, if you reach down by your foot, if you're sitting in a chair, reach down by your foot, that's the other side. Or if you stretch your hand out in front of you, your hand's on the other side. They, they are all around us in a parallel existence. So they don't experience what we do. They get the best of both worlds. They still get to be around you. They still get to do all the things they love to do. Now they're not bound by a physical body or the four walls of a house or the fence in your yard. They get to go wherever they want, and it's this exhilarating feeling. Most of them burst into this new existence, and it's like, woohoo! So here we are, <laughs> left with our sorrow and our grief and our sadness, and our pets are like, you know, having a great time zipping around. And then what happens is they circle back around and they see us, and it's like, wah, wah. You know, look what I did to my mom or look what I'm doing to my dad. You know, they don't they don't understand our grief. It's like so heavy and they want us to be happy for them and they want us to be um they want us to move into healing as soon as we can and I will recommend taking your time through grief. It is important to honor those feelings of grief. Don't rush through it and know that there's no time on the other side. So uh, your pets want you to continue to live your life. They want you to be happy. They will love it if you get another pet because they will receive the love you bestow on that new pet. They'll receive that energy. It's like a spiritual fuel. So you're going to be filling up their tank with love when you love on your new pet. They don't think of it as replacing. That's a human concept. They think of it as Love and happiness is coming from your heart. They get the direct benefit of that. Whereas if you beat yourself up like I've done, punish yourself like I've done, carry guilt for 30 years like I've done, it doesn't serve anyone. It's really a useless, kind of pointless waste of energy. And I've learned not to do that. And that's what I'm hoping to share with your listeners today. Beautiful. In fact, the last part of your book is devoted to how to deal with that grief. So very practical tools and beautiful, beautiful words that you're sharing with us. Wow. Well, you know, let's just share a little bit more of the magic. I'm opening your book at random here to to just validate what you're telling us. These sound beautiful. We want to know it's true, but it is true. Like, why don't you talk about the cat named Bree and the tape measure? Do you remember that one? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, you know, there's so many messages, and and I work with symbols, you know, like the red of a red light, green of a green light. Red means stop or no, and green means yes or go. And so I use a lot of symbols in my work. If an animal doesn't know how to relay a message, I'll tell them to use a symbol. So I have a whole bunch of different ones that I use. But anyway, I opened up to this one cat named Bree, and Bree was this beautiful, like, uh, seal point mix of something, just gorgeous blue eyes. And Bree had recently passed and was on the other side of the veil. And so I was waiting for her mom to call in, who is a dear, dear client friend of mine. 
And as I was waiting for her mom to call in, Brie kept showing me a tape measure, measuring tape, you know, like uh, you do home improvements with. And I thought, okay, this is weird. (laughs) And then I thought, well, maybe my client is doing some home improvements. Maybe she's putting up, you know, uh, window coverings or flooring. Or I didn't know what she was doing. So when she called in, I said, I have to tell you the first message I'm getting from Brie is a measuring tape. Does that make any sense to you at all? Total silence, and then the tears started, and happy tears. Oh, my gosh, Karen. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. You won't believe this. She said just before she called in for the session, she had been in her room, her bedroom, and she needed to get new sheets for her bed, so she wanted to measure the size of her mattress to make sure she was getting the right sheets because you know how the ends pull up all the time how annoying that is so she was measuring her bed with a measuring tape while she was doing that she saw Bree's former bed like her little kitty bed that she slept in and the thought crossed her mind of oh my gosh I wonder if Bree's here I wonder if she knows how much I love her how much I miss her And she just had kind of one of those, you know, sad moments where she was really missing Brie. Well, the very first thing Brie talks about is a tape measure. It's so beautiful. The the verifiable evidence that all it takes is for us to think about our loved ones, whether human loved ones or animal loved ones. They feel that heart connection, and they're right there in our presence. And, And it's not always us. Having the thought, if, right. if if your animal pops into your mind, that's because they're putting that thought in your mind. They want you to think of them. They're popping in to say hello. Exactly. Oh, I love this. You and I just, we, we <laughs> totally speak the same language. This is beautiful. Wow. So... I, I would like you to speak just for those of us, we don't have to just talk about pets who have passed. How important is it to talk to our animals now when we're going through changes? I've just learned this and just started saying, you know, like when we're bustling around and getting all busy, and the, is it helpful to say, hey, company's coming and explain what's going on? Have you found that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's think of it this way. Our pets are our roommates, right? I mean, they share our space. They sleep in our beds, they're around us you know, more than anyone else. Imagine how upsetting it would be if you had a roommate who left without telling you where they were going or when they were coming back, who didn't say, like you were talking, hey, we have company coming, they're going to be here for three days. Imagine how disconcerting that would be to have a roommate that didn't fill you in on those details. And when you say things out loud your animals can pick up on the images that flash in your mind as you say them. So even though they may not understand, you know, a big topic or, you know, something like divorce or something in those terms, they will be able to pick up images in your mind that will make sense to them and just say it out loud as if you were talking to a 9- or 10-year-old child. Keep it short keep it positive, and keep it simple. And your animals will pick up on what you're saying and how you're feeling. You know, they can read us like a book, and they are our little barometers. So whenever your animal is acting out, whenever your pets are having behavior problems, 
I can almost always trace it back to you. There's something going on or you're having stressors or there's changes or there's issues with you. And your animals, your pets are connected to you energetically. So only naturally imagine how much smaller they are than us, most of them, and how our stress affects their body and their being when they are such sensitive creatures. So it's something, it's, it's a good lesson to remember to stay balanced, that your, our pets need us to be balanced and to bring calm, loving energy at all times or as often as possible. They're, they can really help us keep that balance in our lives. They're such gifts to us. So they really are. we have just a minute left in the program. What Any other messages that we haven't touched on that you want to make sure everybody takes away from this time with you? Karen Anderson, Animal Communicator. Let me just quickly say while you're thinking that her website is animalcommunicating.com and her books are awesome. So well, what, do you, what do you want to share in this last minute? I do want to share with you that the bonds of love never die. And your pets want you to move into healing as soon as you're able to. Take your time with your emotions. Honor the grief because uh, your grief is a sign of deep love. And just remember to make their life more important than their death. Mm. I love that. Now, are they going to feel our grief? Yes, but it won't harm them or hold them on their spiritual journey. They will, again, be able to sense and feel when we're happy, sad, um, upset or whatever they can sense all of those things but it doesn't impede their journey so your grief is not holding them back from what they need to do and just like I always say for our people across the veil talk to them they hear you isn't that right Karen say their names often say it out loud tell them how much you love and miss them if you didn't get a chance to say goodbye it's never too late they can hear you they are with you. They are near you. Those bonds of love never die. Thank you so much, Karen. Was this awesome or what? We thank you, oh and I will see all of you, or at least talk to all of you, next week. Lots of love. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts.